guys make a, a, a round of applause right now, a very warm Red Rocks Church welcome for our good friend, George Towers. Let's go. All right. Have fun. Yo, what's up, y'all? You guys doing good? Are you in a good mood? Yeah? Man, like, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, you guys are phenomenal. And, um, man, like, your leadership, are you guys thankful for your leaders in this place? S Doug, Sam, Ethan, Ryan, Ryan, Ethan, I get y'all mixed up. Y'all both have black hats on. Like, seriously, like, you guys are the real deal. You're some of the, the best leaders that I know. Um, but you're just genuine, authentic, kind, loving people. And uh, I'm so thankful for you guys. And, um, like, you may not have known this, but I'm just like your black cousin from Denver that you didn't know you have. So, like, I'm sort of just claiming my own self as family and uh, looking forward to, uh, to being with you guys tonight. And um, I have a question before we get into it. Like, are you expecting to hear something from God tonight? Like, are you coming with that level of, like, God's going to speak to me before I leave this place? And, and here's one thing you need to know, like, for sure, is that whatever I have to say, you don't need it at all. Like, anything that I say that's of my own, like, thoughts and thinking, like, like I, it means absolutely nothing, but I'm, I'm expecting even for myself to hear God speak to me tonight. And I may be the one talking, but it's my prayer that it's the Holy Spirit that will be speaking and that, that when we leave this place, like, no matter who you are, maybe uh, you don't do church, this is your first time, and, like, you came because someone paid you to be here. Like, if that's you, we love you. Like, whether that's you or you've been saved since 1901, like, whoever, like, anywhere in there, it's my prayer that like you encounter Jesus tonight that Jesus gets bigger in your heart and like that you trust him more and you leave this place like full of faith and ready for your week so are y'all ready yeah. yeah yeah awesome okay so I want to um start out by reading a lot a lot of scripture is that cool yeah. like it's mad verses um but it's going to be good, and it's going to be helpful to set some context for what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes so if you have a bible get it out and turn to John chapter 6 John chapter 6, and I'm going to read um, from verse 47 to verse 69. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's do it. It says this in verse 47. It says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever, and this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven, and anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but they will live forever. And Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples said, this is very hard. 
Like in my head, that's how I read it. Like it's hard. Like, like this is hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think when you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, that's why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, are are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. That is just good all by itself, right? Um, So, hey, if you're taking notes, the title of this message for the next few minutes that we have together is Stay and See. Stay and See. Can we pray before we jump into the message? Is that cool? Holy Spirit, would you help us to stay and see? Amen. Is that a problem? Like, I pray fast. Um, Hey, do you remember uh, your most awkward moment that you've had in life? Like, when I say that, does something come to your brain? Like, your most awkward moment. I remember mine. Um, Transition. Um, My most awkward moment probably happened like a year after my wife and I got married, which was like eight and a half years ago. So this is an old story, but it's singed in my heart, right? Like, so she got me this gift for like my birthday, and the gift was a professional massage, like where you go to the place and the person massages you, whatever, you know what I'm saying? So, so I'm like, I'm, I'm a hype. I've never been before. I've never gotten a professional massage, so I'm like ready to go. I got my gift certificate, and uh, I, I pull up to the place. I walk in. I don't know the rules. No one told me how this works. So I go in. I've got my paper. I check in, and they're like, all right, follow me back here. So they, they take you back to, you know, one of the rooms, one of those little rooms or whatever. And, um, man, it was nice. Like, the lights were dim. Uh, the fragrance was nice. Like, candles were lit. There was soft music and, like, sound effects. It was, it was nice, right? So, so the lady drops me off in the room, uh, and she's like, hey, so I want you to just strip down to whatever you're comfortable with, and I'll be back in a minute. That was all she said, right? Shuts the door. So I don't know what's happening, but there's one thing I do know. I'm not going to be that dude that, like, strips down to everything. That's out of line, right? You know, like, you're doing too much if that's you. So, so I'm like, all right, well, I'll leave my underwear on. We know that much. So I strip down underwear. Now, here's where it gets confusing. Like, this is where I made my error when I look back on it. There was a chair in the middle of the room, Okay. Like, what do you normally do with chairs? Sit on the chair. The chair's begging to be sat in. This is when my brain turned off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I don't know. I didn't notice, like, the massage table in the back. Like, that. And all I see is the chair. So I sit in the chair. In my underwear. Bro. Look in the doors like where you are. It's right here. So I'm, like, facing the door. In my, and I, like, look, you know, self makes more sense when you look back on it. You're like, you're like I should have noticed. I, I should have known I was out of line when I didn't know how to sit. That should have been a cue that I maybe shouldn't be in this position. So I didn't, I, I didn't you know, I didn't know how to sit. So I was sort of like this. <laughs> looking at the door, 
waiting on my massage. This is just a bad situation. Who does this? I wish this wasn't true, man. Like, this is horrible. So a couple minutes later, the door opens. And she does what you would expect her to do. She comes in. She's like, oh, God, no. (laughs) And I'm like, oh. So her lips are, like, coming out of the She doesn't want to look. She's like, sir, um, the table. You go on the table, and, and then she shuts the door. And I'm like, it's at this moment where I literally want to go outside and set myself on fire and drive off into the sunset, you know? It makes the rest of the massage very awkward at that point, where I got to now know that this happened. And do you remember your most awkward moment? Like, just something like, is it outdo mine? Probably some of you. Um, the reason I say that is because this passage of Scripture that I read you, I would, I would argue is probably one of the most awkward moments in the life of the disciples following Jesus. I think sometimes we we become familiar with these stories. Uh, They happened so long ago where we can have a hard time placing ourselves as if we were actually in the room when Jesus gave this sermon. But this is mad awkward, like more awkward than a half-naked skinny black dude in the chair at the massage. Like, that's not, that's, that's small potatoes. This is super awkward. Now, before I unpack this story, um, I kind of have to back up and give us just sort of some context to like where we are, what's happened before, because it all, it all makes a difference. So Jesus at this point is about a year and a half uh, into his earthly ministry, and he's doing well. Like his ministry's blowing up. Uh, he's got a lot of people following him and not following him on like social media or in their hearts, like literally following him around. Like when Jesus goes places, people just, <laughs> like they just follow him everywhere he goes. So, so one day he ends up out in the middle of, of nowhere sort of, and there's like 20,000, 15 to 20,000 people, a lot of scholars think in this moment that, that are there. So he's preaching, he's dropping knowledge, but it starts to get late and the people start getting hungry. So the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, there's a lot of people here, this is a good sermon probably need to wrap this up because like they're getting hungry, we're hungry, and there's no places nearby. So Jesus does what Jesus does. Jesus does Jesus stuff. And he's like, you feed them. And they're like, um, what do you mean? Jesus is like, well, go, go get what you can. Let me know what you find. They find a little kid that has a sack lunch with two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread. And Jesus is like, this is enough. And he, he lifts it up, he breaks it. And then all of the people, all 15 to 20,000 people eat from this one little kid's sack lunch. Like, can you imagine being in that moment? Like, if you went to a basketball game, and there's a stadium full of people, and they pull some little kid with a Popeye's bag with a two-piece fish dinner and extra biscuits, and they put them in the middle, and they're like, yo, like, we're going to multiply this whole thing, and all y'all going to eat. Like, we would go crazy, and they go crazy. They're like, this is amazing. They overreact. They, they try to force Jesus to become king. Once Jesus realizes that they're trying to do this, he sort of, like, slides out. He gets away. He goes to the top of a mountain to be by himself, and the disciples, it, it gets dark, and they're by the, by the shore, and they're waiting for Jesus to come back, and they're like, have you seen him? Like, I don't know. So they decide to leave without him. And they start to cross this lake. A storm breaks out. It's crazy. They're freaking out. And Jesus does what Jesus does. Jesus does Jesus stuff. He just comes walking by them on the water. <laughs> like, I don't know how Jesus walks in your mind, but to me, that's how he walks. Awkward blank stare, just. <laughs> they freak out. They think it's a storm. Jesus is like, calm down. You're going to be fine. 
I'll meet you over here. So, so they get to the other side. Now, meanwhile, back on the other side, all the crowd from the day before, they realize that Jesus and the disciples aren't there anymore. Uh, so they're like, where are, they, where, where are they at? They're trying to figure it out. Because the storm was so great, all these boats rushed up on the shore. So they hop in the boats, and they row all the way to the other side. Like, I'm going to go see this dude because he fed me. That bread was good. That fish was amazing. We're going to go see that dude. So they get off the boats. Now, I want you to imagine this. It's a whole bunch of people rushing to see Jesus. Jesus sees them coming. Pause. If I'm Jesus, I'm like, hype. I'm looking at my disciples like, yo, the food drive work, boys. Like, they all came back. Get your connection cards, email addresses, socials. Like, we're going to be at multiple campuses. You take one, you take one. Like, I'm ready to go. Let's go. But Jesus doesn't have that response. He's very critical of, like, why they're following him. And he goes into this whole thing where he starts to vet, like, why are you here? So they run up to him. They're like, Rabbi, hey, what's up, Jesus? Why wouldn't you get here? You slipped out last night. We've been looking for you. Like, where you been? And Jesus is like, for real? For real? And they're like, what's wrong, Jesus? Like, you were happier yesterday with the fish breaking and all that. Like, you seem to be in a bad mood. And, and, and Jesus is like, you're just here because I gave you bread. You're just here because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. And then they respond and they say, hey, well, we want to do God's works too. Like, we, wanna, we want in. Like, what should we do? And Jesus responds in John 6, and he says, hey, the only work that God wants from you is to believe in the one that he has sent. Can we pause again real quick? This is the pause symbol. Pause. Like, that one verse from Jesus sums up the entire gospel message. Like, they're like, hey, we want to do something. And he's like, hey, listen, this is all I want. Uh, believe in me. Are you thankful that that's the, as simple as it gets for us, that, like, our natural response can be, like, what should I do? I got to work my way in. Like, I got to do a little bit more. I got to climb a little bit higher. I got to jump higher. I got to strive more. I got to perform more. I got to avoid more. I got to avoid bad things. I got to do. Like, Jesus, I don't want any of that. All I want is for you to trust in the one that God has sent. Now, is anybody thankful for the grace of God that is offered to us that says, hey, I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to trust and receive what I have already done for you. So Jesus hits them with this, and they're just like, okay, whatever. They're like, well, hey, listen. Um, so, so he's like, hey, this is the only word God wants from you. Uh, just believe in the one that he has sent. And they're like, well, if you want us to believe, show us a sign. Like, what can you do? And I'm like, yesterday like do you remember the whole thing with the, what I did before and isn't it funny how if you make your relationship with Jesus all about what he can do for you even though he does things for us but if that becomes the center of your relationship you'll always need another sign you'll live from thing to thing and quickly forget all of the ways that God has moved in your past and and they're like hey show us something cool because like the whole bread thing that you did yesterday we sort of seen that movie before like remember Moses he fed our ancestors uh, back a, a long time ago he he caused manna to come out of heaven so like what can you do and Jesus is like okay he's getting frustrated at this point like okay so you want to talk about bread okay let's talk about bread technically uh, Moses didn't feed those people my dad did and they're like your dad <laughs> Joseph Joseph fed them they're like we know this dude's dad what is he talking about his dad fed him and, he, and he's like so everyone's confused this whole thing and Jesus is like right, let me make it a little bit more plain for you uh yeah so they ate the manna but they all died so the bread that comes down from heaven the true bread if you eat that 
you'll never die again. You'll have eternal life. And they're like, give us that bread every day. Like, we want that bread. Let me get a piece of it. And he's like, I am the bread that came down from heaven. That's me. What the manna was in the Old Testament, like I am in reality, like I am the true bread that comes down from heaven. And then Jesus says, and the bread that I offer that the world may live is my flesh. So it's at this point where all the note takers were like thrown off because you're trying to follow them. You're in church. It's a synagogue. You're like, all right, bread that came down from heaven. bread I offer is my flesh. Did he say flesh? Maybe, maybe it's a metaphor. Like Jesus could have let it slide. He could have let it go off as like, maybe he didn't mean that. What he does next is so awkward. Instead of letting it slide and like, it's my flesh and just moving on. Read it again. He, he digs in. He says it five more times. Now, because this is how my imagination works, I have to act out everything. I want to do it. It's going to be really awkward, but just stick with me. I have to do all five. Imagine being in this church service. Morning. Um, if you, like, eat my flesh, me, and drink my blood, you'll have eternal life. Let me hit this side. Uh, yeah, if you, like, eat my flesh, though, and, like, drink my blood, you'll never die again. In the back, um, if you, like, take a piece of my skin and, like, chew it and then swallow it and then get, like, a cup of my blood in it and drink it, you'll have eternal life. If you eat my flesh... And drink my, if you feed on me, you'll be a different type of person. And they're like, yes, Jesus, I'll be a cannibal. That's what I'll be if I do what you're telling me to do. It's so awkward. It's so uncomfortable. And at this point, Jesus knows that everyone in the room is thinking cannibalism. And he's totally fine with it. He's like, watch this. And and to make it worse, he knows that they're, like, thinking this, right? And then it says, because he knows, like, their thoughts and hears their grumblings, he says, does this offend you? <laughs> yes! This is actually the definition of offensive. This is so offensive. And then he goes, well, if that offends you, then what will you do when you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? Pause. If I'm there, I'm like... That part sounds cool, actually. The whole, like, you go up, I'm like, yo. But the whole, like, eat my arm, I'm like, yo. Like, I don't. Do you feel the awkwardness? Do you feel that, like, I feel it. Some of y'all feel uncomfortable right now. Like, welcome. So it's at this point where a whole bunch of people who have been following Jesus for some time without saying anything, just like chuck up deuces and walk away. <laughs> like a whole bunch of them. And Jesus doesn't stop them. He just watches them. Then he turns to his 12 and he says, 
You guys want to go too? Like so hardcore. Jesus is not nice. <laughs> He's like, y'all want to go? Because y'all could catch them. They're not too far off. I still see some of them. And then Peter's like, man, where are we going to go? Lord, to whom shall we go? I think the King James makes us romanticize that statement and make it a little bit more like, to where should I go? I wonder if it was more practical. Like if Peter's like, literally, we're in the middle of nowhere. We rode with you. Like we took your boat over here. How am I going to get home? <laughs> but he's like, hey, I, where are we going to go? Like I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand it. Um, but he's like, I know that you have the words that give eternal life and you're the holy one of God. So like we're going to stay. I, I don't know how I'm going to do what you just said. But I'm going to stay. Now, before we move on, just a, a couple few quick observations from this crazy, awkward, uncomfortable story. Um, the first observation has to do with comfort. And have you ever noticed, if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time, have you noticed that following Jesus will often lead you to a point that challenges your comfort? Like maybe it's not this direct to where like a literal eat my flesh, drink my blood moment. Like, but, but have you noticed that following Jesus will make you uncomfortable if you follow him long enough? And a lie that I can sort of start to believe in my own life is that if it's not comfortable, then it's not God. Right? I can start to believe that. Like, and again, I'm not anti-comfort guy. You, you know that guy who's sort of like, how do you know God's will? Well, if it's horrible and you hate your life, you're right where you need to be. Like, no, I don't think God always makes us uncomfortable. Let's not take it too far. But sometimes following Jesus will lead you to the point where he's the one that's asking you to do the thing that's, that's really uncomfortable that you don't want to do. What do you do when God's like, I want you to move to that city? And you're like, that one? Because I have a list, Jesus, the ones I wrote down that, can we pick one of those? And he's like, no, I want you to go here. What do you do when God's like, I want you to go to that school? And you're like, but that program's not good, and this one is bad. What do you do when God's like, take that job or stay at that job? Sometimes we think of faith as like always stepping out into new stuff. Sometimes faith means, will you just stay where you are? Sometimes staying where you are can be the most uncomfortable thing. Where you're like, nothing's happening. There's no fruit that I can see. And God's like, I want you to stay. And you're like, but I don't want to. And he's like, yeah, I know. What do you do when God's like, I want you to end that relationship? I want you to break up with that person. And you're like, but she looks so good. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Following Jesus will often lead you into discomfort. And sometimes our comfort can be the, the thing that constrains us and keeps us actually from where God is calling us into. And I can begin to pray away things that are uncomfortable in my life. And start binding spirits, you know what I mean? And like praying against the devil, and, it's, and God's like, oh, that was me. I, I asked you to do that. And we can, be, we, can, we can actually pray away the thing that God is trying to do in our lives because it's uncomfortable. But sometimes that's just a part of following Jesus. The second observation from this story has to do with confusion. And this is my favorite, my favorite part because everybody in the room thinks that Jesus is talking about cannibalism. No one knows what's going on. I love it. Like, everyone's confused. Everyone's wrong. This gives me, like, permission that it's, sometimes it's okay to not know. 
You know, you ever meet that, that Christian? If you're that Christian, I love you too. Like you're amazing. But like the Christian who always has an answer, what's God doing in your life? Well, you know, it started back six months. Like they always know, like, what's God calling you into? Well, you know, God showed me in a vision. Sometimes in my life, some of the guys are, what are you, what's God doing in your life, pastor? I don't know. <laughs> what's God put on your heart? I don't know. <laughs> Why are you doing that? I don't know. It gives us permission to be there, to be in a spot where you're like, I don't know. Now, God's desire is not for us to stay in that place, but sometimes we can get confused and like, like not know what's going on and start to feel uncomfortable and feel like maybe we're outside of God's will. In this situation, God invited them into a place to misunderstand him and be confused. So no one knows, and Jesus doesn't explain himself. He lets them walk away with the wrong intentions. He does, as they leave, he's not like, no. <laughs> No, come back. It was a metaphor. Let me explain it. Come, no, no, don't leave. He's like, no, no. I'm not going to explain everything. In my own life, I think one of the most overrated prayers that I pray on a consistent basis, if I'm being honest, is a prayer for clarity. You ever ask someone, to like, hey, how can I pray for you? And they're just like, man, just for clarity. You know, God would show me what he's doing. And I get that desire. Like, that's me. I want God to show me. I want God to answer. I want God to, like, reveal what are you doing? How does this connect to that? Like, what? But sometimes following Jesus, he, he ain't going to, he's not going to explain anything to you. He's just going to hit you with a hard saying and see if you have enough faith to just sit there in that tension. Because here's the truth. If, if we had 100% clarity in our lives, it would not leave a whole lot of room for faith. I've heard all my life that, the opposite of faith is fear. You heard that? I think there's so much truth to that. But I, I would say the opposite of faith is certainty. Like if you always knew for sure how it was going to work out, how, how can you trust God in that? And sometimes a lie we can believe with this is that if it's not clear, then it's not God. Uh, but if, that's, if you believe that, like I, I would challenge you to talk to Abraham. Y'all remember Abraham in the Old Testament? God comes to Abraham, and he's like this guy. He wants to establish this promise, this covenant with. And he tells him, hey, I want you to leave everything. Leave your family. Leave your clan. Leave your traditions. Leave everything you know uncomfortable. And then he says, go to the place I will show you. you imagine being with Abraham on that trip? Yo, A.B., where are we going? To the place God will show us. When? Yes. Huh? What'd you say? Like, everyone's confused. Where are we going? And he's like, I, I literally don't have any idea. Some of y'all don't believe me. In Hebrews 11, it says this, speaking of Abraham, it says, by an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. And when he left, he had no idea where he was going. Have you ever felt like that following Jesus? Where are you going? I don't know. Have you prayed about it? Yes. What God say? I don't know. <laughs> Psalm 119 says this. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. And I love this imagery because it speaks of like a lamp on the, on your, like around your feet. And the thing with that is that sometimes God will just give you enough light to sort of see like the next step. What we want is for God to, like, get a huge spotlight and illuminate all things. But sometimes he's like, no, just, just 
I'll give you enough information to take the next step. But sometimes clear, like walking with God is like following him without glasses. Like it's really blurry. You can't see the whole journey. Like I cannot see any of your faces right now. I know you're there, but sometimes this is what life with Jesus is. There's no clarity. You kind of have an idea, but if he were to show you in, in HD how your future was going to work out, there's no room for faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of what? Things that we can't see. And I wanted to encourage somebody that's been praying for clarity and God doesn't seem to be giving it to you. Is it possible that he wants to grow you in this season to have to not explain everything but just say, hey, will you trust me? I'll show you enough to take the next step, but will you trust me and follow me even though it's blurry? Final observation before we move on is they continue. They continue to follow Jesus. The disciples say, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. You're not explaining it, but they make a decision to say, hey, I've seen enough of who you are that I can't, I'm not going back. And they decide to stay. They decide to continue following despite their comfort or the lack of clarity. They say, hey, I'm going to continue. I'm going to keep going. And that's the decision that all of us can make. When we're faced with discomfort, when we're faced with a lack of clarity, we can decide to keep going. So they do. They continue. And after this encounter, something strange happens. It kind of goes away. Like it doesn't really come back up. So they have to follow Jesus for like another 18 months. But if you're a disciple, in your mind, you're like waiting for that sermon to come back up. You know what I mean? Can you imagine following Jesus for a year and a half, knowing at some point, someday, somehow, in some way, I'm going to have to eat that guy. <laughs> you know, like, that's a lot of pressure to walk around with. When is this message going to come back up again? So Jesus' ministry starts to come to a close. He starts to talk about his purpose being fulfilled. He's going to be crucified. I don't have much more time. And they're like, oh, God. Oh, I thought he forgot about this. Jesus one day goes, hey, guys, I want you all to meet me upstairs at this guy's house. This is going to be our last meal together. Oh, Lord, I thought he forgot about that sermon. They're walking up the steps. Peter's like, John, you ready? I don't know, man. I don't know if I can do it. I have the stomach for it. They walk in. They see the table. Jesus sits down at the table. He reaches back behind the table. They have no idea what's back there. Right? Is he going to be like? (laughs) 
reaches back. Reaches back. Bread. He says, hey, yo, take, eat. This is my body. <laughs> you know, they were like, yes! Woo! Yo, yo, Jesus, you need to stop playing. Like, yo, I almost bit your arm off right now, son. Like, I had made up in my mind that I was going all the way. Like, yo, give me some olive oil. Like, let's, mm, oh, this is the best bread I've ever had. He's like, gets the cup, he gets the wine, he pours the wine. He's like, yo, take, this is my blood. And they're like, give me the whole thing. And I'm turning it all the way. I want you to see this. This is a simple message, but I, I, want, I want this to speak to somebody. That it was about 18 months between when they heard what Jesus said to when they learned what Jesus meant by what he said. And much of following Jesus exists in that gap. The gap between where we're like, hey, I've decided to follow him, but then he hits you with something that's really tough, something that you probably wouldn't have chose. And then he doesn't explain it. He's just like, what you going to do? And much of life exists in the gap between when we hear what God says and if we have enough faith to continue until we can see why he said it in the first place. I just want to give you two takeaways because what happened was these disciples decided to stay despite their comfort and their clarity. And when you stay, you get to see. And you get to see two things that I find in this passage. And if the worship team wants to come up, I'm, I'm almost done. Um, but if you stay, you'll see two things. One, you'll get to see it come full circle. You'll get to see why God asked you to do that thing that you did not want to do. And here's, the, here's how it happened in this passage. God called them to do something. They had to continue before they got the clarity. I don't like that. Like, that's me. Like, what I want is for when God calls me to do something, I want clarity before I continue. I want you to explain, like, well, here, here's, here's why you're moving, okay? You're going to meet this person who gets you in contact with that person. And then in six months, you're going to, like, I want all the details, spreadsheet, all of it. And then, and then once I have clarity, then I'll continue. But often faith is the opposite order. It's saying, well, can I continue without the clarity? And trust that if I stay with Jesus, I'll get to look back and say, oh, okay, I see why you had me do that. I see why you called me into that uncomfortable situation. I see why you had me switch jobs when everything in me said to go this way, but then I felt this pulling to go. Like, if you stay, you'll be able to look back and say, God, I see what you were up to. And that's what faith looks, looks like. It looks like following without having all the information. The, the second thing that I think is even more important that you get to see if you stay is you get to see more of Jesus. Think about this. If the disciples would have left when it got uncomfortable, when they didn't understand what God was doing, can you, how much of Jesus' ministry would they not have got to see? How many miracles would they have missed out on? How many late night conversations with Jesus in this small huddle with, when he's revealing who he is and what he came to do? Like, they got to know Jesus so much better because they decided to stay when they could have left. 
And there is a reward for staying with Jesus when it gets uncomfortable. And I think the truest reward that we get for staying is Jesus. We get to see more of who he is in a way that comfort won't allow for, in a way that clarity won't allow for. But when you, when you step out in faith and continue to follow what you, what you feel God calling you to do, man, you get a revelation of who Jesus is in a brand new way, in a way that comfort does not make room for. And I felt like God sent me to encourage someone in this room that feels like you're in that gap and it's really uncomfortable and you feel like you're praying and you don't really know what's happening. You know what it's like? I remember a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I was opening mail and uh, they have put this sheet in there, like on top of the bill. Maybe you've seen this. Sometimes they put a sheet in there that says, this page left intentionally blank. Have you seen that? And I'm weird in my brain. So like when I see that, I'm like, well, it would have been blank if you didn't tell me that it was. So now it's not. It's just leave it blank. But when I read that, man, it's like one of those few times where you feel like, man, the Holy Spirit really gives you something that you didn't ask for. And I felt like it was like, man, sometimes following Jesus is like this piece of paper. It's blank on purpose. And God calls you into something. And then you pray. And you're like, why? God, show me what you're doing. And then down from heaven comes this blank page. And you're like, is this supposed to be this way? And he's like, no, it's blank on purpose. It's like when you're texting that friend who has read receipts on and they still don't get back. It's like you, they just don't respond. And they got it. They heard you. But for some reason they don't respond. Sometimes, not, not, not all the time, but sometimes following Jesus is like a page that's left blank on purpose. And I felt like I was supposed to come here to encourage somebody that feels uncomfortable and unclear. You're not doing it wrong. This is a part of following Jesus. It's a part of growing up in our faith. And God has not forgotten about you. He knows where you are. His silence is not a sign that he's abandoned you. His silence is maybe a sign that he's allowing you to learn to trust in a way that you haven't had to yet. And I want to encourage you, man, that God is with you. And if you decide to stay, if you decide to do, continue doing the thing that God has asked you to do, you will see how it comes full circle. And you will see and learn more of who Jesus is. Can we stand to our feet? We're going to worship in just a second, but I want our worship to, tonight to sort of be like a response to this message. And what we're doing when we worship in a, in a, in a couple moments here is our worship is going to stand as a statement. And I want that statement to be the same thing that Peter said, right? When, when Jesus says, hey, are you going to leave? And he's like, where are we going to go? He said, I've seen too much. I know who you are. You have changed my life. You have forgiven my sins. You have saved my soul. You have broke the chains off of my life. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm not turning back. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to continue. And I want our worship to just be like an anthem of like, yo, I'm not turning back. Like, I have made a decision to follow Jesus. And even though I don't get it, even though it's not clear, like, I'm not going anywhere, Lord. I'm going to stay and see what you're trying to do in my life. So, Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. And I pray for my friends that are in this room, the person that feels like they're in the middle of an uncomfortable situation and they don't seem to be hearing from you. God, would you allow your spirit to just give us so much assurance that you are with us in this season? 
God, I just pray as we worship, we would experience a peace that passes our understanding. Would you give us the courage to stay? And God, if we stay, we will see what you are doing in our lives. God, we love you and we pray that you would meet us in this space. In Jesus' name, amen.